0: What is up fantasy people you are back with the true north fantasy pod Trav here chilling in dirty laundry studios I want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Viridian Global for providing us with the best merch in the game you can check out ViridianGlobal.com to get decked out and support all the brands in the Viridian Football Collective Uh, so thank you to Will and Mark over at Viridian of course my co-host with the most out on the west coast is Tyrell McLaughlin what's cracking buddy?
1: Same old, same old, yep. I feel kind of surrounded tonight, though. I didn't, uh, we learned Drew was a Flames fan before the pod, so I'm I'm a little rattled, we'll say that, but, you know, we're here to talk football, so I'll... I'll just carry yeah, it deep down
0: for sure. So, you uh, we're gonna team up on you often in this episode. And I see what you're doing trying to bait me into talking about the score of last night's game. We talked about this, tied too soon, and I feel like you used that comment as bait to try and drag me into that conversation. So, <laughs> uh, go flames, go flames. Um, super excited for our guest tonight. We have an all Canadian episode. Um, everybody on this show is representing the Leaf. Our friend, the creator of the bullet, uh, Bulletproof Fantasy Football, the uh, Bulletproof Prospect Process, um, you can find him on his YouTube channel, just cranking the videos out these days, and his Patreon, which is bumping also, that would be Drew Osinchuk. Drew, how's it going, man?
2: Doing well, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. It's a pleasure, uh, a pleasure to get you on, man. We've been talking for a while on Twitter. Uh, I feel like you're one of the OG Canadians for me out in the Twitter space. You're one of the the first uh, first that I encountered, and uh, it's a pleasure to finally get you on the show, man. Um, So, Drew, I wanted to talk a little bit about Bulletproof Fantasy Football. Of course, you have built this thing from the ground up, and it's been going strong for probably a couple of years now, Um, and uh, you have definitely put some really good work into that. I want to talk a little bit about that process as well drew because um in your process, it's got some very defined, um, some very defined criteria for how you grade these players. And let's be honest, Drew, there are times where you take a little bit of heat on Twitter that you have to respond to for some of the stuff. And I think it's cool because you're you're very steadfast in your process, and you handle those situations well out on Twitter, um, just ex- explaining it and whatnot. But I would say that as far as um, public perception, maybe sometimes your process puts out some takes that some people think are hot takes. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about the uh, the bulletproof prospect process and, and kind of how you built it up.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I started uh, started getting interested in analytics. Like it's always appealed to me. I'm, I'm a CPA by by trade. So I'm very comfortable working with numbers, obviously. And analytics, just like it, it's logical to me. Like it's, you know, this player did this and they did this and they, they did this. Then the other guy that looks like that should probably follow the same the same journey, and that's really what the bulletproof process is: is you plot the course for the same players and see what the outcome was, and then, well, you know what, the next guy to come along with those same things is probably going to follow the same journey. So it's pretty like it's it's just it's logical. There's there's nothing no magical formula. It's just you know if we've seen it before, probably going to happen again.
0: Yeah, I like that, man. And uh, definitely uh, a lot of respect for what you've been doing, because I think the YouTube and the Patreon haven't been around for quite as long as the process has been, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the work you've done in growing that YouTube is fantastic. There's a ton of videos on there. So anybody listening, go check out Bulletproof Fantasy Football on YouTube because Drew's got a lot of really good videos. I see that video editing that you're doing on those two, Drew, with the stats flying in and stuff. I like that. That's nice work.
2: That's not me, man. That's not me. No, I got a a producer, pardon me, a producer that does it all.
0: Beautiful. Those, uh, those behind the scenes guys are the real MVPs. I can definitely attest to that with, uh, with our graphics guy, Dan, and our editor, Joe as well. So, um, definitely a bonus to have those guys. Um, we're going to get into it in a second here, gentlemen. we got a lot of rookies to talk about tonight. But I first want to say that we are brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing DFS platform on the planet. I know that football not going right now, but they've got tons of stuff for you to get in there and lay some cash down on. They've got UFC, uh, hockey, like we were just talking about. If you find a Flames-Oilers game, you might want to throw a couple bucks down on the Flames. Um, <laughs> and then, they've, you know, they've got uh, basketball, baseball, um they're getting into esports as well. So it's really cool what Monkey Knife Fight's doing over there. And uh, of course, if you if you go in and use the promo code TNFF at your first deposit, uh, they will instantly match that deposit up to 50 bones. So if you drop 50, they're going to drop another 50 on top of that. And you'll get a cool hundy to play with on Monkey Knife Fight. So I uh, love what the team's doing over there. That's MonkeyKnifeFight.com. And the promo code is TNFF and i saw the chuckle on the 50 bones there drew that was uh, a nice canadian shout out you gave us on twitter last time i used that and uh, <laughs> i didn't actually realize that that was kind of a canadian like term i thought it was just kind of one of those slang terms but i
2: think i've only ever 50 heard bones. it in the hockey dressing room that's the only place i've ever heard anybody say 50 bones or bones for any dollar yeah. or <laughs> before in my life is in a hockey <laughs> dressing room and i was like oh man Never that's a good
1: that's a good power rankings for a podcast to do. Is somebody rank the ways you can say money, whether it's moolah scrolla Like there is a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways to talk about dough, you know? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I love me some cheddar. Plan. Yeah, we should uh, <laughs> we should think about that for one of our fun fun team collab shows or something like that because that seems like it would go way off the rails.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, so like you I can't because said- <laughs> there's a classic thumbs up, thumbs down rule. You know, it'd be like playing categories with your buddies, drinking like. Classic thumbs up or thumbs down. If we don't all agree that you can use that phrase for money, you know, thumbs up, if not thumbs down.
0: Okay. Okay. Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll note that on the money talk show sheet. <laughs> uh, so tonight's episode, we are going to go over some rookies with drew um, free agencies, obviously in full swing. Uh, the landscape for some of these rookies that we're talking about is changing as far as where they might be able to land. Um, we will get some content in about that free agency recap stuff. We, we want to get some really good stuff out there. Um, some other stuff that's going to shake out as well. We had Will Fuller sign today, Corey Davis the other day. Lots of good stuff across the fantasy landscape. Um, but tonight, yeah, I said, we're going to focus on the rookies dive into some of our rookie ranks. So drew, um, you got your ranks ha- handy. You're ready to go. We're going to fly through them here. Um, and we're going to talk about what some of these players bring to the table. So I'm excited to continue that rookie process. Ty, how are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. I am excited for this rookie class and I don't mind talking rookies. while free agencies in full swing. I like to kind of digest this information. You know, we are putting lots of stuff out on Twitter and everything, I put out a thread about Will Fuller's, you know, deep passing that he's experienced under Deshaun Watson, which has been pretty elite and going to Miami and the difference Miami saw with Tua and Fitzpatrick. And, you know, long story short, we will be doing a lot of that breakdown, but I am really excited because a lot of this is changing some of the landscape, like you said, with these wide receiver landing spots, for example. And that's where we're gonna to start tonight is with rookie wide receivers. And what do you what do you think, Drew? Do you think the wide receivers are the strength of this class, at least from a fantasy football perspective?
2: Uh yeah, I mean, I mean, well, quarterbacks I think is a strength if you're playing in super yeah. flex leagues, but in you know, your regular one QB league, it's it's easily wide receiver. No, that's a that's a good call. And
1: quarterback is definitely a, a stronger class when you think of some of these guys that might go in the In the top 10, but let's start with these wide receivers. We'll start with Jamar Chase out of LSU. Um, he's kind of in a tier of his own in most people's sets of rankings. He is in mine. Uh, does he kind of occupy a solo tier in your rankings? And do you think he is gonna be like the only top 10 surefire wide receiver in this draft?
2: Yeah, he's he's easily in a tier of his own in my rankings. He I, I think he's the best wide receiver prospect since Julio Jones, to be perfectly blunt. Like, there has not been a player that has come out since then that I think is better than him. I think he's a better prospect than Amari Cooper. Like, anybody in the last few years, he's he's a much better prospect than... Yeah, he's he's easily in his own tier, as far as I'm concerned. He, he seems to check almost every single box, for
1: sure. And I like that. I think people aren't being as strong as they should be when it comes to touting Jamar Chase. I, I totally agree, because I think... Let's let's just move past them because there isn't a lot to talk about him. Mean, he should be at the top of your rankings whether it's super flex or not. Like obviously below players like Trevor Lawrence and whether your preference is somebody like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, maybe you could argue for those running backs. But uh, Jamar Chase is definitely in that top five in rookie drafts. I would say. Um, I want to talk about the Alabama wide receivers though because they're a little bit more you know polarizing. I would say both will probably be first round rookie picks in almost all fantasy football formats. I think Jalen Waddle, like you know, sub four four speed demon, doesn't check a lot of boxes. But when we think about his production profile, we're always going to have to remember that there were three other first round wide receivers on the same team as him, going back to 2018 at different times. I think what he brings is he's a true game breaker, like a field stretching lid lifter. Waddle averaged over 17 yards per reception in each of his three seasons at Alabama. In 2020, over 55 percent of his rece- uh, receiving yards came off deep balls. Also, over 10 yards after the catch per reception. So. You know, I look at those numbers and I'm very impressed, although they're almost identical. Like they're really comparable to what we saw from Henry Ruggs coming out of the same system last season. Um, But he really, he just looks super explosive, very fluid. The release is awesome. I think he's going to smash press coverage. But again, I said all these things about Henry Ruggs last year. So Drew, how do you value Jalen Waddle for fantasy? Do you think he could end up being a better real life player than he is a fantasy player?
2: I think without a question, you nailed it. He's going to be a better real-life player than fantasy player. His profile, from what I look at, isn't very impressive. Like, he has some nice data points. Like, his um, yards per team pass attempt in his first year was good, like, all things considered. But he never truly separated from the pack at Alabama, and we now know that, you know, Henry Ruggs is what Henry Ruggs is. There's no – like, I I did a a YouTube video on this recently, and – there is no reason for us to be pumping these guys based on last year's first round picks because last year's first round picks played exactly the way that we projected them to play without adjusting them. If we adjusted mm-hmm. for Henry Ruggs and, and uh, Jerry Judy, we made a mistake. That was wrong, or it proved to be wrong so far anyway. Not that Jerry Judy's a bad player. like He's an NFL player without question, but he's not a superstar. Like He, he didn't outplay his profile by any stretch. He played exactly to it. And Henry Ruggs, unfortunately, played exactly to his prospect profile as well. So now, when we're looking at Devonta Smith and we're looking at um, Jalen Waddle, it's you know we're we're being told the same thing. Well, there's four first round picks. You got to adjust. And it's like, well, last year we shouldn't have. Why should we do it this year? Like, what what changed? And last year's rookies, last year's first round picks from you know the Henry Ruggs and the. And the uh, Jerry Judy, they were both early declared 21 year olds. Now we're dealing with two 22 year olds coming to the league, which is a less favorable data point. And it's, I just, I, I can't get on board with saying these guys are going to be studs. And then every one of these guys is small. Like, a, mm-hmm. I really, recently started like defining my alpha versus beta wide receiver. Uh, I don't know what you call it sizes. And all four of those guys are betas. None of them look like superstars. Like, Like, none, nobody that size has hit for three-plus wide receiver one seasons draft in the first round since 2003, not one. So when we're looking at perennial wide receiver ones, these guys aren't hit. Like, can they hit top 24? Absolutely, because size doesn't really matter when you're looking at top 24 hit rates, but it really matters when you start looking at ceiling hit rates because, I, I, you know, people will say, like, BMI is, you know, it doesn't matter, but I think it is a proxy for the role they're going to play. Like thick guys, the big thick guys, they play the X role. Mm -hmm. These guys aren't going to play the X role and that's the role that gets fed. So, I mean, is it BMI or is it the role they play? It doesn't really matter to me at the end of the day, the results are the results and they're just not very good.
1: No. And I think that was a really good point about the age compared to rugs. Rugs was actually an early declare. Was a really, that's a really good point. And you know, there's just so many what ifs for sure with Jalen Waddle. like you need him to stay healthy. You need him to land in a good system. Um, Like, I agree if there was a confluence of events to hit, he will possibly hit big, but you don't bet on guys becoming Tyreek Hill. I just think that's a, that's a losing bet for sure. Um, So what about, what about Devontae Smith? Like, you know, he's a game breaker. He had a crazy 2020 season winning the Heisman and everything. He was pretty good in 2019 as well. Um, But the weight, you know, the weight is going to keep coming up over and over with these guys. But what do you think, you know, Devontae Smith is going to be listed at?
2: Well, I think he was listed at 175 coming out of Alabama, which I mean, everyone should have expected him to weigh in at 175 at the Senior Bowl, and then he didn't weigh in. And I'm like, well, we already <laughs> expected you to be 175. What are you telling us? Are you telling us you're 165? Mm-hmm. Like, like why didn't you just weigh in at the weight that you were supposed to weigh in at? Nobody was gonna be surprised. And it just, it's like a, it's, it's in the back of my mind, I guess, is the way to put it. Like, why didn't you just weigh in at what we thought you would? Because then it doesn't. Like there's no mystery then, exactly. which was still way too small. Like 175 is way too yeah. small when you're six foot one. Like it's a 23 BMI, which which you know, every time that I come up with this BMI stuff, everybody pushes back. They're like, ah, it's a small sample. There's just too few low BMI players. I'm like, listen, like I split it between alpha and beta, and there's like a lot of like the alphas are there's like twice as many alphas as beta's, which I I kind of remember the numbers off the top of my head, like 40 to 20 or something like that. But 20 first-round betas is a lot. Like, it's not nothing. It's not like we're only looking at 23 BMI. We're looking at everything under 26. And then we even include AJ Green in there, which doesn't make sense because nobody's looking at AJ Green and saying he's a beta. He's 6'4 and 211 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the thresholds don't always work. There's ones that you can look at and be like, no, nah, no, nah, that, that's wrong. He's an alpha. So with Devonta Smith, it's like his production profile, unless you're going to adjust, which I'm not going to, is not that great it's okay and there's a point where it makes sense to draft him last year when i thought he was going to declare i was pounding the table i'm like you got to go get devonta smith in the second round because yeah like he dominated alabama he, he beat out all these other kids you're drafting in the first round like go get devonta and now it's like devonta or chase i'm like what, what? Like mm-hmm. yeah. never? No.
1: and I, I you know you mentioned the best point when you were talking about uh jalen waddle like you put out the the, fa- the lack of fantasy finishes that these players have in their first few years, and it's it's just remarkable. Like, not one single wide receiver has scored two hundred fantasy points while weighing under one hundred and seventy pounds since nineteen ninety. So this difference between one sixty five and one seventy five is huge. Like, no wide receiver has ever scored two hundred and fifty fantasy points in NFL history weighing under one seventy. In the last twenty years, we got one single wide receiver who has hit one hundred and fifty fantasy points while weighing under one seventy. That's Taylor Gabriel. In the last 20 years, there's just five seasons where a wide receiver scored 200 points while being listed at 175 pounds or less. Five of them, four of them are Deshaun Jackson. And the other one, no one would ever guess. It's Cole Beasley, 2020. Let's go. Um, So, you know, our point that we're making, I think, me and Drew for sure, is that, you know, making comparisons to Marvin Harrison or Antonio Brown or Tyreek Hill Um, is making comparisons to ultimate outliers and you know he doesn't even measure up to these guys like he could literally be 20 pounds lighter because all three of those guys i named weigh 185 pounds so i know it seems like semantics but it really isn't and i think uh it goes back to the the bulletproof process that drew has and following some of those those rigid rules like if you look at all wide receivers in the last 20 years who weighed 185 pounds or less Antonio Brown Tyree Kill and Marvin Harrison have 11 of the top 12 fantasy seasons ever and Wes Welker's tucked in there as well but yeah that that is what we're talking about here guys even if he is as big of an outlier as these guys who weigh 15 to 20 pounds heavier than him um you're still betting on him being one of the three biggest outliers we've ever seen in the history of the game
2: yeah and it's it's funny that you bring up like Marvin Harrison every time I put this stuff on twitter people are like oh no 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 like it's okay because marvin harrison i'm like marvin harrison hasn't played <laughs> in like 15 20 years like if you're going Game's back to like, in the 90s to find the outlier that he could be mm-hmm. doesn't that tell you something and like i get where people are coming
1: from in a sense where you know he is so polished and he does run routes good he's crisp and everything like he's sure-handed he has a lot of these traits that we like he's versatile but you know so so are a lot of guys i would say and uh i just think you know he's not the guy who is like you just don't chase that profile player because they have to be the big outliers it just it doesn't make sense and i like it, what i'm saying is it makes more sense to comp him to those guys than it does a hollywood brown because i think of him more as a wide receiver who plays like uh marvin harrison as opposed to a wide receiver who plays like hollywood brown but you know he still weighs like a hollywood brown who wants to play like marvin harrison
0: if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point. I think I like that point though, that he is at least going to be more versatile than a Hollywood Brown. Like you said, like he'll run some shorter routes. He's not just going to be on the deep balls. Like, like Hollywood Brown is. And um, I think like personally, if he lands in a good situation, he could be pretty good. Um, but like you guys said, there is that outlier factor. I'm curious guys. Sorry, Ty to dive in here. Where do you guys have Devonte ranked?
2: I have him at uh, fourteen and Superflex.
0: And what about at receiver?
2: Mm, one, two, three, four, five, six, right now. Oof.
1: And I, I have him as my wide receiver three. But you know, it's one of those things that it, I'm just expecting him to be drafted so high at this point that yeah. it's going to be tough. If like if Terrence Marshall gets drafted at early second round, late first round, it's a guy I'm moving over him. Like these are guys, there's guys that I am willing to move over him that might seem bold. But I, I'm kind of reserving the right to do that leading up to the NFL draft. So I still have yeah. my wide receiver three. But even a guy like Rondell Moore is somebody who I can be like, I saw what he did at this age, and yeah. you know, yeah. So there's there's guys I can argue against him easily.
0: For sure, I have my two still for that same reason, Ty. Just just kind of waiting till I see the draft. And
1: capital. when you when you think of that draft capital, like there's a couple teams, and your Eagles might be one of them. Like maybe Miami or Atlanta in a trade back scenario. Maybe the Lions, but inside the top ten. Um, if somebody is going to be reaching for that wide receiver two after Jamar Chase, do you think your Eagles would be in on either of these guys? And which one do you think they would covet out of Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith?
0: Mm, that's really tough to say because Jalen Waddle would seem like he would kind of fill the role that Jalen Rager is supposed to fill. Um, but then, like, what's Devontae? I don't know. I just hope they don't go wide receiver. I could see them yeah. doing it. I think there are other needs, but I hope they don't go wide receiver. Drew said top it. 10. Quarterback.
1: It's a quarterback yeah. draft.
2: Uh, <laughs> that would be the move. They means. need to get a quarterback. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Well, there was uh, there was some notification today that they were in talks about selling the farm to get Deshaun Watts, Watson. Which, hmm. I mean, I'm not sure what's in the farm that's that desirable. As far <laughs> Deshaun as Deshaun <failure>. Watson <laughs> would
1: never play for the <laughs> owner or that general manager. Like if he's smart. Like if he doesn't want to go to a place that's being run into the ground anyways. I won't <laughs> won't go there with you. I won't go there with you, but uh, the giants in the NFC, lease least I think like what I'm saying, these two guys, they're probably in play after pick 10. Like they're probably not mm-hmm. going top 10, uh, but it's going to be like Judy and rugs last year. Like, I think we're looking at the giants at 11. I think the chargers at 13 would be kind of interesting. Maybe nice. the Cardinals at 16 could use them in like the Christian Kirk and Isabella role, maybe a long-term Kirk replacement. Cause they won't resign him probably. Raiders, I
2: mean, any of those teams jump off the page at you, Drew, for either of these guys? Yeah, I mean, all those teams are wide receiver needy. I, I, if it was me, I wouldn't pick either of those guys. I have, like I said, you know, five other guys ahead of Dewanta Smith, and I don't know, seven or eight ahead of Jalen Waddle off the top of my head. Um, can, can we just back up for a second? Because you guys had said if they get drafted early enough, you'll bump them up your board. And I did a thread on this, like, I did not even know, like last week, maybe. Did you know that being an early first round pick has no higher hit rate than being a late first round pick? No, that's what I'm saying, Drew.
1: Like if other guys like a Terrence Marshall gets drafted a little higher, like once I have solidified, you know, top 50 draft capital from some of oh, these guys, okay. I, then I I'll you. feel comfortable moving them ahead of uh, Devonte Smith. Cause I, I, uh, I love that thread. I read that one. It was, uh, and it's totally true. Like look at Corey Davis. We can look back, not even in the recent past, like top 10, John, who we reference all the time. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> It's kind of a crapshoot. Like it's uh, it's yeah. more about the class than it is how early in that first round you get drafted.
2: And yeah, I didn't believe it yeah. when I did it. It completely shocked me. I was like, "Oh yeah, no like a top 10 pick for sure. Like that's that's where you want to be." Look, like, I'll I'll consider like bumping these guys if they go in the top 10 and then I started looking at, I'm like, "Actually, there is no relevance here. Like there is no reason to bump them if they get in the top 10, none. And it kind of makes
1: sense. Like usually they're landing on a team that probably has worse quarterback play and isn't as good of a team won't be scoring as often. So I'm with you 100% on that one. Uh, So I bet you have this guy ahead of these guys. So let's go to the Minnesota wide receiver. Next Rashad Bateman is sort of kind of a vanilla prospect. I guess he doesn't blow people's hair back athletically, but he is a really solid prospect does everything. Well, seems pretty NFL ready um, where do you have Rashad Bateman ranked and like, what do you think his upside is in fantasy?
2: I have Bateman at number two, um, yeah, so you're a number two receiver, and I, I think he's got unlimited upside. Like I, I don't think there's anything in his profile that suggests that he isn't going to be a quality NFL or assuming that he gets drafted in the first or second round. If he like gets drafted on day three, everything changes because then the NFL says he's not very good at playing football. And then I care about that. But uh, if he goes on day one or day two, well, round one or round two, then like I'm all in on Rashad Bateman. He'll be ahead of, you know, Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle, no matter where they get drafted or when they get drafted. It will be completely irrelevant. <laughs> well, he's so, the guy who
1: can play that X role that you were kind of that you're like, is he a guy who grades out as an alpha for you?
2: Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm assuming he is. We don't have his actual measurements yet, but his mm-hmm. listed weight and his listed height is I believe he's six two two ten two ten or somewhere in that neighborhood. So, like, he's exactly what I'm looking for from that perspective. Uh, he profiles, like, as an, you know, an unathletic alpha is what I would call him. And guys like that, the, like, like the ceiling of that is like a, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams, like those type of players. And then if he's athletic, then it it changes a little bit and it, it gets real, real exciting at that point. Uh, like, a, like a Des Bryant or, you know, that kind of player, which, I mean... I mean, is Des Bryant really a better player than Vontae Adams in their peaks? I don't know. Maybe they aren't, but. <laughs> not like, even a touchdown scoring. Yeah, there's there's just like the the ceiling is there for Rashad Bateman. And the floor is still like sky high. So I have no, I, I will not be moving Rashad Bateman down unless he falls extremely in the draft.
1: Yeah. Trav, do you think do you think Rashad Bateman is like a locked in first round pick, top fifty pick? Where where do you see his draft capital? Well, I was kind of surprised. Like I think he's pretty locked in.
0: I think top 50. I wouldn't lock him into the first, though. I think if he gets into the first, he's probably gonna sneak into the back end. But um, I don't see him at this point going top 20. But like you mentioned, you listed off those teams, and there are a lot of wide receiver needy teams. Um, so I could see like a profile like his, like Drew's talking about, getting pushed up into the middle of that first round. Um like the Cardinals would be slick to add that to um, to DeAndre Hopkins and have both of those big guys um, and maybe try and fill out the slot with some more speed. Um, but I just kind of like them as a wide receiver landing spot. But I think Bateman is, uh, I'm right now projecting late first or early second. One of those top 40 picks, which I still personally covet quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think if he falls, it's like a Michael Thomas kind of scenario. Like he just doesn't have that like X factor game breaker kind of vibe to Mm -hmm. him. But he does everything so well, like Drew said, like I like a lot of what Drew said there. So let's let's move on then and talk about which more we like more because, (laughs) you know, I kind of like both these small guys. But, you know, everything is in relation to a lot of this class is pretty freaking small. So let's do some Rondell versus Elijah ding, ding, ding. Uh, both, I think will get drafted in, in round two at the latest, both are very young. Elijah Moore is out of old Miss and, uh, you know, he was kind of the focal point of Lane Kiffin's offense last year after, by the way, guys, that infamous egg bowl, uh, Selly in 2019, I encourage everybody to go look up that story. Elijah Moore egg bowl. Uh, which one was that? Well, he, they basically, they sell the field goal got moved back. They lost the game. That's they right. Lost the bowl game. But he came back, came back, he used it as fire in his belly, if you ask me. And uh, <laughs> basically, this kid is super athletic, though. That's what I like. And he's one of the youngest wide receivers in the draft. And, you know, I think he's one of the toughest wide receivers in the class, especially pound for pound. Um, so you combine all that and you just kind of get a profile that I like, a wide receiver who can go deep and a guy who's dangerous with a ball in his hands. And I think he could even see some carries in the NFL. I think he's like kind of a perfect fit for a lot of these offenses that are just implementing a ton of pre-snap motion, uh, jet sweeps and all that. So what I want to ask you, Drew, is do you think he gets like Elijah Moore? Do you think he gets pigeonholed into the slot in the NFL or will he get some reps outside? Because I worry his value in fantasy could be determined by the answer to that question.
2: Yeah, I think that that is my concern with with uh, Rondale Moore. He was actually like neck and neck with uh, Jamar Chase with me up until like, I don't know, six months ago maybe. And then I started looking at, you know, some more detail around Rondale Moore and his like, air yards per attempt in college is like laughably low. (laughs) And I'm like, well, this is kind of an outlier situation where we just like, as far as I know, we don't see this very often. Like we're talking about like Paris Campbell and, and like, that's it. Like of the guys that I can think of that have like crazy low air yards in college. And from my perspective, it's like, he's small. He's like a super tackle breaker. Like he's, he's just a little pit bull basically. And, I don't know that they're ever going to ask him to be more than that. They could. Like, it's possible. But I wouldn't bet on them saying, oh, no, yeah, no, he, do, you only did that in college. But we're going to expand you once you get to the NFL and make you run everything. And I would suggest or I would – I suspect that whoever drafts him is going to draft him to play the same role he played in college. And mm-hmm. I think that limits his ceiling to some extent. think and, and then, like, he's small as well. Like, he's a beta, so it's going to be something – it's going to be unusual for him to ascend to this, like, you know, 25 to 30% target share type of type of role. Uh, what's interesting about that, though, is this year I, I've always had this, like, transcendent and, and generational tier for wide receivers, but I never defined it. It was always kind of a you-know-it-when-you-see-it you kind of thing, and yeah, it was based on that. athleticism and – you know, the guys that just, like, smashed the combine and also were, like, incredibly productive and and first-round picks. And if they're top or did, five for... Did something you know, as a true freshman or something, like, outrageous, yeah. Yeah, so it was, like, you know, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Andre Andre Johnson, AJ Green, Brandon Cooks is the only, like, beta on the list. Ooh. And then uh, Des Bryant, Braylon Edwards, and DJ Moore. And those guys are, like, the generational slash transcendent guys. I found out this year when I actually defined it that... Oh, and Odell Beckham Jr. I found out this year when I actually defined it, that Justin Jefferson is in this tier. And I'm so pissed that I didn't realize it last year because he's (laughs) obviously amazing. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. the frigging numbers are right there and I just didn't take the time to actually look at them. And uh, this is where I think Rondell Moore is going to fall in. Like, he is going to smash the combine. If he gets first-round capital, I'm like, you know what? How do you bet against this guy? Like, he everyone who's got, you know, the... The production and the capital and the elite at like this stupid elite athleticism, they just smash. Like, even like I just said that uh, no beta wide receiver draft in the first round has ever had three plus wide receiver one seasons. Well, Brandon Cooks is that guy, but he's had two wide receiver one seasons and two seasons where he finished wide receiver 13 and 14. So, like, <laughs> basically, is that guy.
1: Absolutely. I and mean, you know, you pointed out DJ Moore is a guy who really jumps off because he doesn't, he, he's not dissimilar from DJ Moore in my eyes. I definitely worry he's a little bit of a dumbed-down version of DJ Moore, maybe because I was a really big DJ Moore fan. But it was interesting to see DJ Moore's usage transform in this Joe Brady offense last season. Like we saw him be used in his first two seasons, how I imagine Rondell being used, maybe not at 120 target capacity, but in a similar fashion. Um, and then to see him transformed into a guy who's actually going downfield a lot more in 2020. Uh There's definitely, I I like that you can take these weapons and use them in different ways. So I think he is a valuable piece. And I do think he can, uh, like, I think he's getting top 50 draft capital for sure.
2: Um, Yeah, I was just looking on grinding the mocks. He is right now at uh, 41.5 is what they're projecting based on all the mock drafts. So like, he's right on the verge of being a first round pick. And what we know about the NFL is that when these guys explode the combine, it usually jacks their... uh, their draft value a little bit. So I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up at the tail end of the first round. And then I'm like, well, I guess now he's like my, you know, my slot receiver version of Brandon Cooks, which I really want. So he, he's my wide receiver, wide receiver three right now. And I can't see him passing Rashad Bateman at this point, but uh, I I love Rondell Moore. I'll I'll take Rondell Moore over uh, Elijah Moore at this point pretty, pretty easily for me.
1: Yeah. And Elijah Moore is funny too, because maybe he can succeed on the outside. We just haven't seen it much. Like he has almost no experience against press coverage. I think being a good slot wide receiver though, is kind of the floor with Elijah Moore. Like Mm -hmm. I I was a little, I feel like I'm more impressed by what he did in 2020 than some people seem to be like his 1193 receiving yards were only behind Devontae Smith uh, in all of college football. And he played five fewer games. I think Elijah Moore kind of has like Tyler Lockett upside, but the question is, is if a team kind of sends him deep, like if his role uh in the slot has like a vertical element to it or if he gets some outside snaps because I think that's really gonna you know that's that's gonna determine his fantasy upside because almost half his receiving yards came via deep ball receiving in 2020 and you know he's not gonna be able to eat off manufactured touches like a Rondell Moore. That's my difference with like Elijah to Rondell because Elijah Moore saw a ton of manufactured touches last season but didn't do much with them. It's almost scary he's 21 catches off screen passes per PFF tied sixth most he produced under hundred receiving yards on those so I think his upside is really going to come down to that deep passing even in the touchdown department his huge 2020 season uh Elijah Moore scored half his touchdowns on 20 plus yard targets downfield so I won't go on and on about a guy you know in Elijah Moore that I haven't even really pinned down yet but I think these guys both have upside but I think Rondell Moore definitely has a lot more upside for sure.
2: Yeah, it's funny you're talking like this Elijah Moore thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is like when we're looking at analytics, right? We're we're adjusting for the situation that they're in by using like market share stats. So what portion of their offense are they? And everyone's freaking out about like, oh, Devonta Smith, like he's the greatest producer of all time. I'm like, Elijah Moore in his offense was a more productive. Like within the context of his offense, Elijah Moore is greater than Devonta Smith, Heisman winner in 2020. And people don't, see that because they equate you know well heisman trophy like how do you beat that it's like well yeah he played at alabama those guys get a little boost like they're they're on everyone watches every alabama game not everybody watches every ole miss game
0: you know like Mm yeah
2: and and then like the alabama teams or the alabama they played you know the most games in college football a lot of teams barely played or played like half a season it's like well yeah of course there's going to be a wide receiver that wins the Heisman in the year when they're the only team that played or not the only team, but like, yes, SEC, the the best offense and they played
1: the most games. Yeah. And they're the best program with the best protection and great quarterback play and great coaching and scheming and play calling. Yeah. Like the list goes on and on and you can literally look at other guys and be like, they had none of that. Like, Yeah. yeah, they had zero of those 11 things that he was benefiting from. I totally agree. It's a, it's a good point. That's why I didn't really bring up any margins that Devontae Smith carved out at the wide receiver position in 2020, because they are really, uh, you know, uh, inflated. Um, so we don't want to keep you here all night. Maybe what I'll do is just toss out some wide receivers here and just, uh, you know, maybe just rank these guys. Uh, I have Terrence Marshall, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Diami Brown, and Kadarius Tony rank them. And also, do you think that's like a decent tier? What do you think?
2: Um, yeah, I think that's probably, I, I don't have Kadarius Tony in in, there, in those guys' range. Personally, <laughs> I, like, there's no precedent of somebody with a Kadarius Tony profile being successful other than like uh, Terry McLaurin, which is like literally like one in a hundred. Mm-hmm. So Kadarius Tony is someone I'm just really never going to be interested in drafting. That's a good point. Maybe people
1: are chasing what the, like, because Terry McLaurin's clearly been a different player and maybe people are
2: chasing that. That's crazy. Honestly, I swear, every time I post something about analytics, people are like, "Yeah, but," and they give this like one-off guide. I'm like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, you're you're you found one. Like, you caught me. There was one. Yeah,
1: 100.
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to predict more than everyone else is. And if you're chasing Terry McLaurin, that means you're also chasing these hundred other guys that just sucked. So stop that. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like,
2: just just be okay missing on Terry McLaurin. You know." And, and that's, that's uh, Kadarius Tony. He's Terry McLaurin, if everything goes right. So what about Terrence Marshall, Almond Raw, and Diami Brown? So right now I have Almond Raw ahead. Uh, Terrence Marshall is someone I'm really interested in, though. Uh, I was just He's the know, mystery box, yeah. I, I was just ranting about how I'm not adjusting for Alabama. wide <laughs> receivers. And then I'm like, yeah, but you know, like at LSU, it's a little different. We have some actually good players. That's Whereas, it, you know, like we've already seen Justin Jefferson be one of the best players in football as a rookie. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. okay. Like if Terrace Marshall couldn't get on the field, cause Justin Jefferson was ahead of them. That's different than Jalen model, not getting to produce because Henry Ruggs was on the team. That is you know, so like, true. Like, and
0: Clyde, Clyde got 55 targets that year too. Yeah. And so, he was still like,
1: scoring touchdowns. And just for people mm-hmm. out there, like touchdowns are a bigger predictor than a lot of people think of, Uh like when it comes to correlations to fantasy. He had
0: thir- he 13, time. didn't he?
1: yeah he he, he he scored scored a lot lot
2: of touchdowns in
0: back back years 13 and then 10 last year i think so Mm -hmm. damn
2: so like he's like super high ceiling like if i'm in the middle of the second round and and i it it will depend on my team like if i can afford to miss on this guy i'll take the shot on him like if i have a championship team and i'm like yeah you know like this guy could extend my window pretty heavily (laughs) and if he hits like i'm winning a lot of championships i'll take him if i have a rebuilding team He's too risky for me if I'm rebuilding. I'm just looking for value if I'm rebuilding. So I probably will lean towards like an Almond Ross and Brown, who has a little bit safer floor, in my opinion. Um, and and the that's what... And that's uh diami Brown, who's definitely like the Brown. field stretcher, a little bit of
1: a mystery box, but he might be the definition of like a better real-life player than fantasy player. Also, a lot of people that I trust who watch a lot of football, uh, like the Saturday to Sunday crew and stuff, they say that like the game speed doesn't necessarily line up with what his playing speed, might, uh, his testing speed might not... You know, be like he might underwhelm in the athletic department. You know what I mean? Considering the the profile player he is, but definitely some impressive stats for
2: Dami. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's a guy that pops in my in my process. He's he's just not projected to be high drafted high enough. Like he's projected to be a third round pick right now. And I'm like, yeah. Even the best players in the third round aren't like aren't bulletproof. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) it's like uh, if he if he gets into the second round, like I'm in. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think he qualifies as an alpha in my well, depending on what he weighs in at, that's somewhat up for debate. But he he uh I think he put a picture on Instagram saying that he's 197 pounds. He's standing oh, on the yeah. scale, taking a picture of the scales. I was like, hey, like if that's that's actually what you're at, like hey, I'm kinda into that. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is there is there a weight on the scale with him? Who knows? <laughs> and for best ball and like in some
1: of these leagues where we're starting three wide receivers with like four fucking flex spots now, like Diami Brown's a guy you target because You know, he's the only wide receiver in college football to average over 20 yards per reception in back-to-back seasons. He has back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons at North Carolina on 55 and 51 catches, which is, like, that seems Mm -hmm. almost impossible to have (laughs) back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons when your catches were in the 50s. Um, But you do that by having an 18.4 average depth of target in your college career. Um, I think uh,
0: double-digit tutties in both seasons, too.
1: Mm -hmm. Trav, what do you think of Aminrah St. Brown? Because... There's, there's two ways I think you can look at him. Like he's either really going under the radar in, you know, fantasy circles right now when it comes to rookie value and stuff like that, or Mm -hmm. he's a little bit capped when it comes to his ceiling and he's around some of these guys. Yeah. So where do you land on that? I'm kind
0: of right in that boat. Like I think he like he can come into the NFL and be a decent slot receiver right away. Um, I think he was really good there in college. You don't see him go deep too much when you watch him and you don't see much deep stats when you look at the data for him. Um, but I think his size could be a little bit uncapped potential there. I think he's 6'1", 195 or so. So we'll see what the weight is. Um, but I think he's already a, a good slot receiver. Um, somebody that can at least blossom into one. And then maybe some untapped downfield prowess, but that's a huge maybe. So it's really hard to see that ceiling because you're taking a big risk where Terrace Marshall, like that's his only avenue is to hit big like that. Whereas St. Brown could just give you like low, not usable numbers for fantasy. Whereas I think you'll know what you're getting with Terrace Marshall. He'll either give you zeros or he'll give you twenties or Amon rock could be right around the middle just because he's, he's not crazy athletic, but I think he's that, a, a solid player.
1: And that's what I worry about. Like the athleticism, like I just worry, you might not be able to separate. So mm-hmm. he might be kicked into the slot and that might be the best way to accentuate what he does best because ASB, he offers like yards after the catch upside for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I definitely think we hit some of the, some of the wide receivers there. I mean, we definitely, uh, we'll hit a lot more wide receivers in, uh, in the future for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Another good name to toss out ties, Tylen Wallace. We like him.
2: Um, what do his medicals
1: look like? That's Mm -hmm. what I want to know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He he can separate though. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, I, I've, I've read in the past that, uh, ACL tears are like, I forget what it's like genetic. Like some some people are more prone to ACL tears genetically, and then there was a thread I literally saw today talking about how his brother has three ACL tears. He has an ACL tear, and I'm like, oh no, oh, no, because
1: hmm. I want to love this guy. That sucks. But yeah. yeah, the
2: medicals are a big concern, so I guess he's going to the Eagles, draft
0: no man he's going to the packers because the acronym boys is happening drew i got this thing and ty's probably getting fucking tired of it after like four episodes of talking about it um but the acronym boys are uh mbs esb and uh soon to be arsb so it's going to happen in green bay they're finally taking a receiver he's going to be in the second round and it's going to be arsb to reunite the brothers
1: So, um, (laughs) so some of the other guys that might uh, kill that dream that we didn't get to talk about Amari Rogers, is he a running back or wide receiver? Um, You know, Tutu Atwal, the tiny vertical slot wide receiver from Louisville, Seth Williams from Auburn, Tamorian Terry getting no love from Florida State, Nico Collins from Michigan, Uh, Kay Johnson out of South Dakota State. I love this kid. for He's my big sleeper sleep, like super sleeper uh nico collins i think i mentioned him dwayne eskridge western michigan and lots more too i'm not gonna run down Mm -hmm. this i'll i'll let you get into running backs here trav
0: (laughs) yeah yeah thanks man another name there anthony schwartz from auburn just ran like a four two something today um grain of salt yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like really supposed to be like a world-class
2: sprinter though that's true yeah
0: Yeah. craig
1: uh mentioned in our group chat. craig uh the uh totally brain farting on his Twitter, but yeah, he put in our group chat today that he broke a hundred meter record in high school. Yeah.
0: Nice. And that would be at coach Craig sport on Twitter. One of the, one of the members of the crew over at true North.
1: And I'd like to thank him to make sure, you know, these are things we'd like to know beforehand. So we're not double checking boxes for sure.
0: Actually. Yeah. He's putting together a sweet little spreadsheet of all the, uh, the pro day times and stuff for us Mm -hmm. to, to keep track of that stuff. So we appreciate you doing that, Craig. Um, Getting into the running backs though, Drew, I, Ty and I both generally are big fans of the running back position. I always say it's the sexiest position in fantasy. Maybe not in real life football, but uh, I'm uh, I'm keeping my scope to fantasy for that. Um, and if we look at this class, there are definitely a lot of intriguing pieces. I think it is a lot different than last year in that last year, um, and I'm not sure how the fi- the top five last year shook out in your process, Drew, but um, a lot of people thought that there was five potential three-down running backs in, in those top five ranked guys. I won't list them all off, but this year it feels like we maybe have two or three and then after that, there's a bunch of role players. After there, after that, so um, I think it's going to be really interesting getting into the guys. And I think we're going to stop at start at the top here, Drew, um, with Najee Harris and uh, and Travis Etienne. So first, I just want to get it out there: How do you have these two ranked? Like, which one's your number one running back?
2: Uh, I, have, these are. I like I am I am not into this running back class. I'll just preface by saying that. It is not, it like it really reminds me of the 2019 class, which I was also really not into. Um, I have right now Travis Etienne ahead. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that's come out after the season that has propelled him ahead. I wasn't certain what his, like, so my process is based on a whole bunch of different metrics. So I use, one of the biggest ones is NFL.com grade from Lance Deerline, which sounds hilarious. And everybody made fun of me like two years ago when I started saying that I'm using it. And then uh, David Zach on Twitter was like, this thing's actually good. Like, cause I like, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm not like a true like data analyst. Like I, I don't know how to do regression and like all that kind of stuff. I I recently learned how to do like the correlation formula. So like woohoo me, but uh, I I, like, I just kind of look at things and then it it makes sense, I guess, is kind of the way that I would put it. There's almost Mm -hmm. too much context in football to apply
1: a lot of like advanced statistics, algorithms and stuff anyways, in my opinion, when it comes to football and there's things that are weighted too heavily in football compared to something like baseball, in my opinion. So I'm with you with that. Like it's more, it's almost better to be a self-taught data Freaking scientist guy in this business than it is to come from a rigid statistical educated background, in my opinion. But that's obviously a very biased.
2: Opinion. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I was out on Twitter, like, ah, you know, like, you know, he's Lance Erline said this, and everybody's like, well, well like, get out of here, NFL.com grades, like, what, like, can you get mm-hmm. more basic than that? And it's like, no, like, they're actually good. And then David Zach is like, yeah, no, I just rounded the correlation, and it's uh, R squared of this, which beats DraftCap. I'm like, aha I knew it. So uh, what happened was I didn't think Travis Etienne was going to score that well because all these film guys I'm listening to on Twitter are like, I don't know, his film isn't that good. Then he comes out and scores higher than anybody in last year's running back class except for DeAndre Swift. I'm like, well, you guys told me that Jonathan Taylor was generational and Travis Etienne's coming out scoring higher on film than him? This is madness. So anyway, that came out and then I was concerned about his weight. There was all kinds of reports. He was going to be 200 pounds. Last year he was – or in 2019 he was listed at 210 and then this year, I believe he's listed at 200, and I was like, I don't know what this guy weighs, and if he's 200 or 205 pounds, like he looks a lot like Tevin Coleman to me, which is just not what I want. And then he weighed in at 215. I'm like, well, that like he's answering every question I had about him, and now and, and then he ran what was it like 445 or somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Pro day adjusted 45, like you know, 45 at 215 pounds is pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's easily my running back one right now. I, he he might actually get a bulletproof grade from me, which I didn't think was possible coming into the off season. So that's pretty exciting. Cool. Uh, if there is one guy that I like, it's probably him. And then the next guy, I don't know what to think about Najee Harris. Like these guys. So last year when these guys were coming out, I was like Travis Etienne. he fits in with these like Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift. Like, he's in that tier. Najee Harris wasn't in that tier. He was nowhere near mm-hmm. that tier. He was in the Clyde Edwards Hilaire tier. It's and okay. then now people are telling me that he's he's better than Jonathan Taylor and and so on and so forth. And not that Jonathan Taylor was my running back one anyway, but he was for most people. And it's hard for me to like grasp that he is now a better prospect than he was last year when he's now like, he's going to be a 23-year-old rookie running back. I'm like, I don't really care about running back draft age until they get to 23. Once they get to 23, things start getting sketchy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's – you guys have probably seen that uh, Days and Confused movie where yeah. uh, Matthew is like, God, like yeah, you know, I like, love high school chicks. They stay the same age and they're – yeah older, they stay the same age and i'm like that's Najee harris with these college defenses like i get older they stay the same age and i'm just like, he's beating up on like kids that are two or three years younger than him and he's like a monster to begin with like i gotta i have a hard time saying that he's just gonna find it as easy once he gets to the nfl maybe he will but i don't know and then like he didn't do anything the first few years which you know, I get it. He played at Alabama. Everybody there is a five star recruit. A lot of those guys that drafted highly Damian Harris and, and uh, Josh Jacobs, he played with. And, you know, Jacobs won the first, Harris won the third. They're older, than, well, actually they're the same age as him, I think, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he's he's right there for me. Last year, again, last year, when we were talking about Devonta Smith, I'm like, you got to go get him in the second round. Like, he's beating everybody at the, at Alabama. I don't care what his size is when I'm p- picking him in the middle of the second. I was doing that with Najee Harris. I'm like, you got a 230 pound dude that's gonna run a four or five, that catches passes, like in the second round. Give it to me. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking, Najee Harris or Jamar Chase. I'm like, I I can't do that. You got to give me the guy that I know is gonna be great. And then, uh, and then, you know, the new the new kid on the block, uh, Javante Williams. I, I, I don't know, man. Like he, he looks good. Oh yeah. His film grade from Lance Zerline is way higher than I expected it to be. He's right there with Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, and J.K. Dobbins. No way I saw that coming. I thought he'd be like in the Zach Moss range. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah no, I think I got, and, and he's super young too, right? Like he's he's the yeah. junior of the of the of the trio. Sorry, I jumped into Javante Williams. I know oh, you that's good, buddy. Keep it yeah. rolling. It's
0: all I just good. Couldn't roll and
2: I couldn't stop. You know? I love
0: it. I love it. I can feel that. And I can I can hear the Canadian in your voice. And it's just like it's a beautiful symphony, symphony on the pod right <laughs> Javante. now. yeah Yeah, i like i like what you said there too because i do have some concerns about Najee harris as well like everybody's saying he's like this this locked and loaded gonna be this top you know 10 running back in the nfl or for fantasy but i really worry about the big play potential for him like if you look at his breakaway percentage it's pretty low especially compared to the rest of this class um and i just I think if he's not breaking off a ton of big plays, I know that previous to last year, his longest career rush in college was 35 yards. He definitely beat that last year. But you know, if he's not getting away from these college players, the NFL guys are going to track him down too. And that gives me gives me some concern about his big playability, which isn't something that you worry about for Travis Etienne. So I've definitely been waffling in those guys. I, I have Najee Harris as my uh, running back one right now, but it's like, it's very, very close. And I think after this conversation, ETN might've tipped that scale, but let's get into the other guy you talked about Javante Williams, because big fans of him over here. He obviously played in that, uh, in that dual headed monster at North Carolina with Michael Carter. Um, I think for consensus, he is the running back three. So I guess you would say you just said you had him as your running back three as well, Drew.
2: I got him right even with Najee Harris. Uh, nice. I don't know which guy I like better. It'll probably come down to draft capital landing spot for those, those two guys in particular. I think yeah. I'm going to have Travis Etienne as the clear-cut RB1. And then the next two, it's like, ah, give me the guy who ends up in the better spot. And, and even with Etienne, like, I don't love Etienne. He was my running back five last year uh, when I thought he was coming out. Like, I, it was going to be those four big guys, the, yeah. the four, like, actual good running backs and then it was going to be Travis Etienne, and then it was going to be Clyde Edwards-Flair, Najee Harris, and so on and so forth. And then, Chuba. what's that? Chuba. Yeah. <laughs> being, being a Canadian, it sucks being a Canadian. I know. Yeah. Because I don't really like Chuba Hubbard. Me either. Like, he needs <laughs> to land
1: in, like, four or five places for me to like him. Otherwise, like, I'm way off of that.
2: I didn't like Chase Claypool. and oh such a <laughs> creator It hurts.
0: What about Look, uh, uh what is better in college? Lauren, what about Laurent Duvernay tardif Can we give some love to the O-line men Sure, yeah, yeah I love that. I know we talk fantasy, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, for fantasy, Clyde Edwards Laire just won in this last seven days. Like they signed Tooney, brought back remmers they get Tardif mm-hmm. back, the Frenchie, and uh, you know, let go of Damian Williams and Lev Bell will be gone.
0: Mm-hmm. They're definitely Me? gonna bring somebody else in there. So I'm very curious to see see who that is. I think um, Daryl
1: Williams and Darwin might be like that, might actually be their entire back.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could be, but I think you know you can't oh, catch right. one, Andy catch one in, like, injury in your dick, right? So yeah, you he's gonna be... he
2: could bring in a veteran guy that we all have. I gotta think they're gonna mm-hmm. bring a veteran like Love Bell and like not Love Bell specifically, JD. but like that kind yeah, of thing. Three
0: yeah. years in a row they've been doing that, so they're definitely trying to have that, uh, that experienced guy, but hopefully Clyde gets some more rushing work as well. Cause he, uh, he looked pretty good. Um, the next ones we're going to talk about are the guys who maybe don't profile as the three down backs quite so much, or maybe they do drew. And that would be Kenneth Gainwell and Michael Carter. Um, like I said, both of these guys at the least look like solid receiving backs. Um, I want you drew to tell us where you have each of these guys ranked amongst the RB class. Um, and do you see either of them as more of a change of pace receiving back? Do you see one of them being able to uh, run it between the tackles and, and kind of take that workload?
2: I, I, uh, I have no interest in either of these players. If I'm being completely blunt, uh, maybe they're going to be good. They, they don't look that good in my process. They're like Ken, Kenneth Gainwell's like 190 pounds. I'm like, what are we talking about? Like Philip Lindsay, like that's our that's our our dream is a Philip Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's not something I want to chase. Like we're, we're there. those guys are probably going to be draft. They're probably going to be drafted in the middle of the second round or late second round. And I'm like, give me give me those like high upside wide receivers like that uh, Tamori and Terry. Like that guy is going to smash Ooh. the combine. Yeah. If there was a combine, he's going to smash his pro day. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a, you know, a day two pick, like a late day two pick just based on like the Martavis Bryant's kind of corollary. Mm-hmm. Like he's what is he like six, four, I think six, mm-hmm. four, to 10, yeah. 20, yeah. something like that. It's probably yeah, like going it. to run like a four, three, something like he's just going to get shot off the board because he's a physical Marvel. And I mean, it doesn't like athleticism of the rider receiver position. doesn't matter, but I, I like it. I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It's funny because we were talking about in the patrons score today. I'm like, Oh, what did, what did uh, Seth Williams run? And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Cause it, it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. it's like, what did he run? Somebody tell me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <So I'm> like, <laughs> it's
2: like, there's no correlation to it, but I just want to know. And mm-hmm. uh, with a guy like, like that, I would way rather take like a Seth Williams or a Tamori Terry than one of these like running backs that I'm hoping can maybe be Phillip Lindsay. And like Michael Carter, he's he's fine, I guess. He's he's, just, he's a guy. That's yeah. all it is. I'd rather take a swing on one of these guys. They if they hit, they're gonna like explode like a Chase Claypool.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the interesting thing for like, it feels like when you look at the size, you look at Kenneth Gainwell, and he's I think he shows as 5'11", 196. And then you see uh, Michael Carter, and he's 5'8", 200. And it feels like those weights should be like backwards, because Kenneth Gainwell, to me looks a little bit bigger than under 200 pounds. And I think maybe that's because he is 5'11". But I feel like, Dia- or um, no, I'm trying to say Diami, it's Michael Carter. It's the <laughs> the fast guys at, at UNC. Um, Michael Carter, I feel like he needs space to be able to get yardage and and make plays. And I don't see him necessarily being able to break tackles inside of tight spaces. I think it's more, get him some space and let him run away from dudes. Um, So elusive. Yes. But tackle breaker. No, I don't think he is. So I think receiving back is where he'll land and he could be a decent one. Um, But I think Kenneth Gainwell does have that potential Ty, You kind of were telling me you were rising on him. So I dug a little bit deeper on Gainwell and he had that good season good season at memphis which is a running back factory like that's kind of been become a place where we look for for good running backs
1: for me, but yeah. well,
0: it yeah. <laughs> dude, the Tony Pollard dream is but Antonio not, still Gibson, dead. crushed it. Yeah, like Antonio, Antonio Gibson, Gibson is fantastic, us. and honestly, Daryl Henderson looked pretty damn good when he got a shot last year, if you ask me too. So, I think oh, and uh, I, I liked all those guys yeah. coming
1: out for sure. I and I liked Antonio Gibson like way more than everybody else for yeah, the, way longer than everyone else, too.
0: This is true, yeah. You are the Antonio Gibson hipster, but Gamewell, um, you're Gamewell the is definitely
1: uh, he <laughs> my Gamewell uh, love. I'm a <laughs> But it's kind of because, um, you know, it might have to do with how little talent there is at the position in this class. Yeah. But, you know, I do want to have a little bit of appreciation for the trends in the league and all the outside wide zone schemes we're seeing in the run game, even more teams hiring those coaches this offseason. So these little guys can not only add in the passing game, which we know, but if he gets drafted in the third round, say... Um, because there is a massive difference when it comes to hit rates for running backs drafted in the third round, as opposed to fourth round, if they go in the fourth or later, I have zero interest in any of these running backs really Um, unless they're literally like in line for a huge amount of volume or something. But long story short, Gainwell just kind of fits the mold of a guy who could land with the jets or something and actually have success. Like we saw Ty Johnson have at times. Mm -hmm. And I think he can add in the passing game too. I think like if he went to green Bay, obviously I would hurt my feelings a lot with Aaron Jones, but you know, places like that will make a lot of tactical sense. And I think he's actually going to add a lot to an offense. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely go Gainwell over Michael Carter. I feel like people I like, don't even really like Michael Carter. salivate over Michael Carter. And I think that's just because he's a speed guy. I just throw um, my hands I think... up.
1: With him. I don't know what to do with him. Like, I don't like know how if... you evaluate a player who's playing at North Carolina, who's, you know, arguably the third best guy in his offense and kind of You know, people are really making a lot of leaps and assumptions with Michael Carter, I think. So I I just, you know, at his cost, I just probably won't have any shares. But I admit, like, maybe I'm wrong on him. I just don't really know. He's a tough guy for me to figure out at all when it comes to metrics or tape.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would would be in the same boat there. I'm very curious to see Gainwell because at 196, if he comes in at, like, just over 200 or something, then I'm a little bit more intrigued in an NFL team trying to give him that shot at being their lead running back so uh, and i I just i can't
1: stress enough like for me it's just where do these guys get drafted come draft day like if they're in the you know second or third round then yes if they're after that then absolutely not yeah especially when when you factor in price with these guys like you think of like in anthony mcfarland last year was going in like second rounds of some rookie drafts it was just crazy Mm -hmm. he went in the fourth of the or josh kelly too like guys like that i just thought uh they're just easy avoids
0: yeah i was i was guilty of buying into both
2: so. <laughs> so, like, Kenneth Gainwell right now looks like he's a pretty locked-in third-round pick, which, which, like, if he, if he comes in heavier than he is, he does have a nice profile from what I look at. I just, like, I didn't know he was 196. Last I saw, he was 190. So 196 okay. is a little bit more conceivable it's than really he's back in the on. 205 range. Yeah, and a 205 205 is not <laughs> terrible. But can I, he gain so, more weight? Can he gain more weight? Yeah. <laughs> and like, Michael Carter... Trey Sermon, Chuba Hubbard, they're like all right on the like round three, four line right now. And I don't know. We'll see. Chuba Chuba Hubbard's probably my favorite of those guys, to be honest. Yeah.
0: I I actually have Chuba as my running back four right now in the class, just because of what we've seen him actually do on the football field. So let's actually talk about those two guys. You mentioned Trey Sermon and Chuba Hubbard. Chuba has been getting spurts of love here and there. Trey Sermon gets like, notoriously hated on by tons of people it's crazy um where do you stand on yeah yeah where do you where do you stand on those guys drew like how do you have them ranked and like what do you think their nfl roles are going to be because both of these guys have shown that they can be like main running backs on a team and handle that load
2: yeah, so I don't actually like I haven't looked at day three picks, to be honest. Uh, I don't really get into them until like basically when we get to the draft. That's when I start digging into the day three guys, because mm-hmm. a lot of those guys, like they don't matter anyway. Mm-hmm. Like you're just saying, like a guy who was in the in the fourth round, like it's basically over already. I'm sorry. So I don't really spend a lot of time trying to figure out what they're gonna be until I actually see if they get drafted in the third round. And then if they do, then I dive in and we figure out where they're gonna where I'm gonna have them. Chuba Hubbard, though, he was like a Debbie darling, right? Like he, he was a very popular Devi pick last year. He was a high Debbie pick last year, and then he had a bad year. But he's like he's another guy with like world-class speed. And it's like mm-hmm. well, at the running back position, that actually does matter, unlike the wide receiver position. So if he gets third round or like round three capital. And Mm -hmm. he gets onto a team that his skill set fits, and then you know we can see some long runs. Like there's a chance that he takes a a solid role in his offense, and he can be an RB two pretty easily, just on being a fast guy that breaks a long one once in a while. Mm -hmm. And then if if he's actually really good, like there's no reason he can't be like a Jamal Jamal Charles type, like. Like mm-hmm. there are smaller guys. Like I don't really know what uh, Chuba weighs now, but it, he was projected at about two hundred. I think. Yeah, he'll weigh up. like two hundred five, two ten.
0: I'm seeing bad 6, 1, 207 In no, um,
2: that's about. So I thought he's a little smaller than that. Yeah. So we get two hundred seven. Like he can be. You know, like he, he profiles like Tevin Coleman, which I was just saying. I didn't want Travis Etienne to be. That's kind of what Chuba Hubbard looks like right now, so. Mm-hmm. If he ends up I, uh, going around three, like I'll be, I'll be interested in Shubhab, or He'll probably jump into my wide rec- or my running back four slot. Probably won't be very high in my rankings because I like a lot of these wide receivers a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he'll be my running back four probably very at the very least. I
1: mm-hmm. was gonna, I was gonna say, guys, that. You know, he might be the guy I'm focused on the most to see where, like, if he goes in the top three, he definitely has, like, eh, I don't know, like, the deviation in my rankings uh, contingent on where he goes in the draft might be the biggest of any player uh sure. in this rookie class. Like, how high he can go or how high he can fall. Uh Because I do – I have him as my running back five right now, too, so I'm pretty high on him for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like that. Like, there's guys that we – you know, say are too small. And if they get in the right system, like an Aaron Jones, they can just explode because they have that athleticism and everybody should be able to catch the ball. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it just lands in a good spot in the third round and and it's all systems go.
0: Yeah. That's just it for me too. It's like, we, we have seen him, rush for over 2000 yards in 2019. And I think just of these running backs, he is the next in line to me that profiles and that could be like a, an every down back for an NFL team. And I do think he's going to get into that back of that third round Um just because we see those runs. And I think the depth of this class, like if somebody needs a running back by the third round, like most of these guys that we've talked about might be gone. So um some team might have to, you know, buck up for him a little bit. And uh, I, as a Canadian who's rooting for
1: Chuba I'm fucking here for it, fellas. Uh, (laughs) Jets jets at 66. I like that. Like if he was to go high in the third round to the jets, that would just be an excellent spot. Even though I'm really, I just, I really don't know though about him going in the top three rounds. I'm not sure. It no seems way. like the NFL is pretty off of him for some reason. Like that's, yeah, like, that's, that's a that's huge I fall. Think. That's how it feels. Yeah. Especially it,
0: from last year. If he came out last year, he would and, have been locked into the top three rounds. And like
1: with all the comp picks this year too, like 66 will be a big difference than say, you know, 103 to the 49ers, even though that would be a fucking smash thought too in that system. But
2: yeah. Shanahan's
1: not drafting a running back in the top three rounds. So.
0: <laughs> Only UDFAs for him.
2: So like the the 2019 class I was saying is like terrible, obviously at running back, they still had seven running backs going in day two, like on day one or day two. Yeah. So there, it's not unreasonable to think that some of these guys squeak into the back around three. I I think Chuba is going to be the guy that does it if he runs like he's expected to run, which Mm. is real real fast. So and
1: we we've talked about how there are more running back needy teams, like there are actually running back needy teams in 2021. excuse me and uh that's definitely not been the case usually where the supply usually far outweighs the the demand and you know it might be a little bit of a a decent balance when we when we talk about that this year Mm -hmm.
0: yeah for sure so I think we have talked through the running back ranks to the point where the guys that we may talk about may be irrelevant with that draft capital you guys were talking about gentlemen so Ty I'm just going to let you roll right into the QBs my man
1: Okay, I guess we're getting pretty long here anyway. So, you know, the reason that we definitely want to hit the quarterbacks is like Drew said off the top, it is probably the strength of this class when you think of fantasy even, uh, and how many leagues are super flex right now. And just to throw this out there, because we do assume three or four quarterbacks will go in the top 10 of the draft. So in the last decade, top 10 quarterbacks average over 12 starts in their rookie season. Over 80% of them have started 10 or more games. So these are really big dynasty changing decisions on which guy you take, whether you take a quarterback or a wide receiver or a Kenneth Gainwell over one of these guys. Like you just can't be doing that. So I think it's really important this year that we do kind of get a good, you know, a good grasp on these quarterbacks because there is certainly some ambiguity behind Trevor Lawrence, Drew. Um but for Trevor Lawrence, where do you think he should go in a one quarterback league or even like a like a super flex startup too?
2: Uh, Trevor Lawrence in a one quarterback league. Let me see if I can just jump over to those rankings.
1: Yeah, I have no idea where um, I got him in
2: the mid second. And that might change over
0: Pardon me. That seems fair for him like especially with the upside that he should should present.
2: Well, his ADP is like 107 in one quarterback league. So oh my god! Oh wow! Cannot get on board with that kind of line of thinking. No, no. I, I like. I would. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably have him in the mid-second at the very highest. I, would be my assumption.
1: So, what about like a like a super flex startup? And you have Joe Burrow, you have Russell Wilson, maybe, and then you have Trevor Lawrence on the board, maybe Justin Herbert, Dak. All these guys, where do you throw them in that mix? Like, are you going back of the tier or front of that tier? Uh, sorry, which, which guys I kind of just threw out some guys that came to my head. Um, so Joe Burrow, I think I said, Russell Wilson, you know, Justin Herbert, I guess Dak and Lamar would probably fall towards the front of that tier. Yeah. Do you think he he belongs in the tier with those guys? Or do you think he's closer to like a Joe Burrow at the back of that tier? Well, I have him
2: ranked ahead of Joe Burrow and I have him behind like Dak Prescott. Yeah. He's kind of sandwiched right in the middle. I have my QB five right now. Yeah. And that might be a bit high. Uh, I'm not really certain on that one. That's kind of the point I'm making though. Like, yeah, we're probably not going to push him
1: ahead of some of these elite guys, like a Kyler and stuff. And then no, he he's justified almost anywhere after that, though, I think is definitely uh, the point. So let's just move right on then because Trevor Lawrence is kind of like the Jamar chase of uh, quarterbacks. I really think, uh, you know, all systems go and a new era in Jacksonville that nobody's ever experienced. So, Justin Fields, it seems less likely by the day that he's going to be the second quarterback off the board. Um, But do you think he should be the second quarterback off the board in fantasy rookie
2: drafts? Yeah, we were just talking about this today in the Patriots Discord, actually. He is now on Grounding the mocks firmly behind Zach Wilson. Like it's Lawrence at one, Wilson at two, and then Fields ADP and Grounding the mocks is like five or six. So he's not even in the Wilson tier anymore, which is kind of surprising to me from an NFL perspective, from a fantasy football perspective, I was kind of leaning towards Zach Wilson because I, I kind of like a lot of what Zach Wilson has, uh, like his profile. And I was a little bit sketched out on a lot of the stuff I was seeing on Justin Fields. But once I started looking into it a little bit more, it's like that, that's dumb. <laughs> on my, mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's just silly. We have Justin Fields who was like one of the best high school recruit quarterbacks ever yeah. who then was – like every time that he started in in college football, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Like, we have never seen this guy be anything other than exceptional. We have seen a lot of mediocrity from Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. So my process always like favors the larger sample. If we zoom out and look at like what did Justin Field's entire profile, his entire history look like, it's a lot more impressive than Zach Wilson's. And then for fantasy, it's like you're telling me this guy's gonna run like probably a four, 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 five. He's like 230 pounds. He his mm-hmm. ADOT like his average depth of target in college is like 10 or 12. I think it was 10 this year, 12 last year. Nice. You're telling me this this monster heaves the ball down the field high with high efficiency, mm-hmm. accurate and, downfield, and like he he's a, he's built in a lab to play fantasy quarterback. Like he mm-hmm. he he just is. There's, and he is going to go top 10. Like people saying that he's going to drop outside of the top 10, I think are nuts. Yeah. He's going to go outside the top 10 in the NFL draft. I, I was kind of leaning like, ah, I don't know, Zach Wilson, uh maybe Justin Fields, maybe. And then I started thinking about him like, you, you know what? Like there's, there's just so much upside with Justin Fields. Like we're, we're talking about Josh Allen, but actually good at football from like the dawn of time.
1: Mm-hmm. So- <laughs> that's, so, that's such a good point. Like, He's always been a really talented player. And I think that we can build expectations up for players like this so that some of the downfalls that he experienced um, were kind of because of the glory that we have also experienced from Justin Fields. And you just, you can just look at the college football playoffs from this last year and we saw it in the the last two games. So it's uh, I, I think you're just, you should always chase the upside because you need, and it's becoming even more important with this bottleneck we're experiencing at quarterback in fantasy. You need that difference maker at the position. I think Justin Fields is just so much more likely to be that guy than than uh, Zach Wilson. So where where does Zach Wilson fall in your rankings in a super flex set? Uh, in super,
2: like among quarterbacks or yeah. like among all, players? Hit, like hit all players, like
1: all players, like all players. Because that's one I have a really hard time with is Where should I be taking Zach Wilson in
2: a super flex? I'm having a hard time too. I currently have <laughs> him behind Jamar Chase, and I don't know if I love that. I think I do because I just have like I really feel like I'm just penciling in Jamar Chase for repeated top like top twelve seasons on repeat for his entire career. I'm like that. maybe I'm being a bit extreme. I'm a, a bit bullish, but then I'm like, you know what? There's there's nothing I don't like about his profile. He He's is he is Julio Jones to me, and if I could draft Julio Jones as a rookie. You're downright. I take him over a guy like Zach Wilson.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I think, like, if Jamar Chase
1: was 6'4", instead of six like Jamar Chase would be getting that kind of level of hype. It's super unfair, and I think it's funny because you also hear that wide receivers don't have to be prototype Calvin Johnsons to be that alpha. You know, it's funny people want their cake and eat it too on that one. I
2: think. Yeah, I think he's pretty similar in size to like a DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins is about six one two ten, I think, and that's roughly, I believe, what Jamar Chase is expected to be. And Jamar Chase just plays bigger. He just plays so much bigger, too. Yeah. You like, I'm, pardon me, I'm not a film grinder, but I I, I dabble in watching the highlights here and there. Yeah. And like you, you see a Jamar Chase highlight on on uh, Twitter, and he's just like plowing through some poor DB, and it's like, yeah, that guy is not going to have an issue translating to the NFL. Like he's bigger, stronger, faster than everyone in college football as a 19 year old. It's yeah. not like we have Devonta Smith dominating at 22 against 20 year olds. He's doing it at 19 against 20 and 20, 20 and 21 year olds. So there's just like, there's no doubts to me for Jamar chase. And with Zach Wilson, I'm like, yeah, I can see him being like a superstar quarterback, but I can also see him being not a superstar quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, Like quarterback 10 to
1: 15 every year. Yeah, totally. Like, um, Trav, what what do you do with that tier? Like what is your tier behind Trevor Lawrence look like for quarterback?
0: Yeah, it's just like Justin Fields at 2-4, sure. I think it's going to be a mistake if, say, like the Jets go Zach Wilson. Um, I think that's going to be a mistake to go Zach I Wilson over. Yeah. I think so, too. Really and it's going to be a mistake. Like because Justin – like get Justin Fields in Carolina with that pick? Who oh my that God. would be – Oh, that'd be so good. Um, and it's just like that too. I have Zach Wilson at three, just because of the expected draft capital. Trey Lance is a bit of a mystery for me. I got to do some more, more work on him to, to figure it out because I could see myself putting him ahead of Zach Wilson. Uh, but I think right now I'm just keeping Zach Wilson at three. Uh, Trey Lance looked pretty decent at that, uh, that pro day that he had. He threw one mm-hmm. big bomb in particular that's getting, getting a lot of love. Um, but the guy does have all the tools if he can put it together. Um,
1: He's huge yeah. and yeah, he is fast, he can run, he's had accuracy. We just haven't seen a ton of him. So, exactly. Drew, are you taking that leap of faith with Trey Lance? Because you obviously will have to take that leap of faith in a super flex rookie draft.
2: So, yeah, I play. I don't know, do you guys, do you guys play Debbie? I played a lot of Debbie leagues and I have a lot oh. of Trey Lance already. And- oh, really? I I'm pretty into Trey Lance. I think he's probably like, it seems crazy to say, but I think he has a Trevor Lawrence ceiling in his range of outcomes. Like, like there's nothing that I don't think Trey Lance can do based on what he did in his one year of football. Yeah. Uh, So there, but the floor is like, there isn't one. Like he yeah, exactly. The, the floor is busted. The, yeah, C- like the CFL
0: is the floor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like go,
2: go well, on. I
1: think because of the ceiling, I have never even once entertained having Zach Wilson over him in fantasy, and I know that Zach Wilson is literally infant. Like you know, he has such a higher probability of hitting um, than Trey Lance at the NFL level, but I just know that that hit won't be very significant. I won't feel it in my fantasy lineup. Uh, very much, or I can't. It's not something I can't replace in my fantasy lineup. Whereas Trey Lance, I think, uh, obviously has that upside to be a difference maker for
2: sure. Yeah, it's funny. I made a trade like two weeks ago, maybe. I had Trevor Lawrence in this Devi League. It's a, it's the tape versus data analyst league. There's six tape. Oh yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, awesome. And I made this trade: uh, Trevor Lawrence for Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, and oh, yeah. and, and then I got Dalton Keene, which was like the centerpiece of the deal. <laughs> if you guys know this
1: about yeah, the Oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> force, uh, a- a him tight end now that they did uh they traded Ryan Ezo, so at least he's the
2: fourth tight end now. No. Yeah, exactly. So this yeah. was before that happened. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like he he is bulletproof according to the process, he shouldn't yeah. be. And Belichick ruined everything when he took him the third round. He's projected to go in the sixth round, and Bill reaches on him. What's this <laughs> my bulletproof tier that I gotta deal with now. <laughs> like, you know what, Bill, we trust I'll go get Dalton Keen. So I traded Trevor Lawrence to get Dalton Keen, and then I got Trey Lance and Zach Wilson thrown in just to even things out. And I like for me, it was like, you know what, I like Trey Lance could be the best quarterback in this class, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. not outrageous to me. And if I can take that swing and then also get a Zach Wilson, which I think has a pretty solid floor, I'm like this could set up my team for a long time to have both these guys if they both hit, which they probably won't, but, mm-hmm. and then yeah. like Trevor Lawrence, isn't special to me. And I, I'm having a hard time getting on board with him being this generational prospect, except for the one thing that he does that is exceptional is his age. Like I use uh, pro football focus quarterback grades. They're, they're, running back and their wide receiver grades are completely useless for college. They're really good for the NFL, but not for college. But for quarterbacks, when I age, adjust the PFF grades, it 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 looks pretty good, and when I look at Trevor Lawrence, he's like the best eighteen year old quarterback in the history of football. Well, in the history of PFF, uh, college football. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I get that that's there, but he never really like. There's, there's not a lot of other things that I'm like, yeah, Trevor Trevor Lawrence is clearly the head and shoulders the best. Like Justin Fields throws the ball further on on yeah. a per target basis. Like his eight odd is like twelve. Trevor he's Lawrence more
1: accurate downfield too. Per PFF. He's, he's been more accurate in deep passing per PFF on targets 20 plus yards downfield. Yeah. Like it's, I just, I get that on
2: film, Trevor Lawrence looks amazing. Not that he I doesn't can...
1: make any mistakes. That's like Trevor Lawrence is like yeah. very, very polished and was at a very young age, but the way I kind of pose it to people who, cause I, at first I didn't, I wasn't like, yeah, for sure. He's the one-on-one in a super flex. I kind of thought maybe Jamar Chase should be. So the way I framed it is like, if Pete Manning came into the NFL right now and we knew that you know, it was Peyton Manning. Would you take him at one one in the Superflex? And everyone still kind of says, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I don't know if I would. Like, he offers nothing with his legs. Not saying that Trevor Lawrence doesn't have athleticism. He will, but he also won't break their all-time NFL record for passing yards and touchdowns. So he takes him good with the bad. So I just think Trevor Lawrence isn't like this world-beating guy who's going to be a QB1 top five guy year after year because we have, like, four to eight quarterbacks that we can put in that slot ahead of him already, I
2: think. Yeah, and And is Trevor Lawrence going to be a better player than Patrick Mahomes? Probably not. Well, how many top five seasons does Patrick Mahomes have? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, he's got a couple, but he's played, what, four years, and he's only hit top five twice. Uh, So like, I don't know. It's not like it's a guarantee that Trevor Lawrence is going to break fantasy year over year. He's going to be a top quarterback for sure. But in a normal super flex league, a top quarterback, isn't that valuable. A Julio Jones is more valuable than a Patrick Mahomes. If we're talking like uh career longevity, in my opinion. And or I not- think that like quarterback like- four to eight range
1: might even be less valuable when you think about it now, because yeah. you're going to have to reach for those players in a fantasy draft. And, uh, you know, I just don't know if you're going to get the same outcome that you got from like a 2019 Lamar or something. Like, he just doesn't have that 400 point season in his range yeah. of outcomes, at my
2: point. Yeah. So, like, I've had a couple of Trevor Lawrence and Debbie leagues. I've, I've traded them all now. Um, I did like another trade that I made was uh, Trevor Lawrence for Joe Burrow and the Debbie 101, which is probably going to be a really good player. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have a big tier drop between Trevor Lawrence and, and Joe Burrow. Like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Give me the 101. I'll take it. So I don't, not I don't, know. I, I don't get me wrong. I have Trevor Lawrence ranked number five in quarterback. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I hate the guy. I'm just not sure that he's the best quarterback or I'm not sure that he's going to lead your fantasy team to championships yeah. in the way that a lot of people are making it out to be totally. And that's part of my process, right? It's like trying to disprove the obvious point that everyone's making and stuff
1: too, and make sure you can't like, that's uh, I think that's an important part in like asking the questions that people don't always want to ask, but you have to ask them, I think. So, uh, what do you think of Mac Jones? Because nobody's asking very many tough questions. Everyone's just excited that he could probably go in the top 10, but you know, had a pretty incredible season in an incredible environment. Uh, So where do you land on Mac Jones when it comes to how high he might go in the NFL draft? And do you have interest from like a fantasy lens?
2: I don't have any interest from a fantasy perspective. I think he's going to need a really special situation to ascend to any type of like quarterback season that matters. Um, He like, it will. It will always come down to his his ADP for me. If he's available in the middle of the second round of Superflex, super flex league, yeah, I'll take him because he's a starting quarterback in the NFL and that matters. But if I got to take him in the middle of the first round, like I, I got a lot of other guys I prefer that I think are going to make a lot bigger impact in my fantasy team winning championships than Mac Jones. He offers basically zero on the ground, which is basically uh, Mike Lou and I were talking about this. I don't, he, he kind of talked to me back off the ledge on on justin fields with his konami code uh thing that he did recently and we were talking about i'm like yeah like konami code used to be a luxury like these guys would get pumped up because they're a luxury it's a necessity now like oh, yeah like yeah. you can't be a top quarterback unless you're a konami code quarterback like tom brady I had like, like 40 touchdowns yeah. last year and he was like qb ten yeah
1: it's like like aaron Rodgers aaron Rodgers put up his best fantasy season ever basically and guys finished ahead of him. <laughs> yeah. Like he, His touchdown rate broke records. Like everything you can look at for Rogers was like record breaking and guys finished ahead of him in fantasy football.
2: So we're talking about like Mac Jones is maybe like a fringe quarterback one, maybe like if he hits his yeah. peak. So maybe yeah, not that maybe. interested in. From an NFL perspective, I've been you know kind of monitoring it because I, I thought he was going to be a back half the first round quarterback pick. And the back half the first round is like a who's who of you never want to draft this player ever. Unless they're like a superstar prospect, like in I use a uh I use the Q base model from football outsiders, and I I make some tweaks to it and stuff, but I more or less use that. And the only guys that really like do anything that were drafted in the last half of the first round are Aaron Rodgers, who is a phenomenal Q base score, and Lamar Jackson, who had a phenomenal Q base score, which is only based on passing. It does (laughs) not factor in rushing. So you have Lamar Jackson who's like a superstar on base, and then you're like, and his strength actually isn't considered at all. So, mm-hmm. Okay, well, we need Lamar Jackson, then, and obviously the rest is history. He's, you know, breaking fantasy in, in his second year. So I thought Mac Jones was going to be in that tier, and I'm like, okay, we got like Paxton Lynch. We got like a bunch of guys that are terrible. Oh, Like so many bad ones. It's ridiculous, and that's
1: why I mentioned quarterbacks who go in the top 10, and it's mind blowing the the splits between guys who have gone in the top ten and guys who don't. Even the ones who don't work out, like Josh Rosen and stuff, the, the opportunities and the the playing time early is it's just shocking compared to guys who go after that after that range. And then you even know guys like Russell Wilson or Derek Carr or whatever who go after that because of similar knocks. It's so yeah, it's just never going to be a good play for uh, an NFL team to pick quarterback. I just wanted to bring up Mac Jones more because. If he was to go to a team like the Bears or a team like the Saints, maybe uh, I guess not. They just signed Jameis. I forgot. uh, But there's teams where I think he could at least be maybe an upgrade right away for uh, a couple teams when it comes to someone like Allen Robinson or or uh, or Darnell Mooney or Cool Komet. So I, I just wanted to bring him up for that, but. Uh, Drew, is there any other quarterbacks you want to bring up? Because there's no other ones I want to. Maybe Jamie Newman I could talk
2: about, but that's it. No interest in any other quarterbacks. Nobody's you – know? like, outside the first round, it's – outside the top 16 picks, it's it's basically over unless it's a fantastic prospect that just fell for whatever reason. Uh Cubase, interestingly enough, you mentioned Russell Wilson. He's like the best quarterback prospect basically on Cubase, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> he fell the third round because he's yeah. 11 or whatever he is right
1: yeah transferred in yeah. short yeah loser yeah. <laughs> um so trav uh let me know if you think kyle trask the big old gators quarterback yeah. the first round and then uh kick us into tight ends to, to i don't now.
0: think he's going i don't think he's going to go in the first round um I think he's probably next in line after those five that we talked about. I know some people talk about Kellen Mond as well, but I much like you guys, I don't have much interest in any of those guys and Mac Jones to me screams like, like Andy Dalton is his ceiling for me kind of thing. Be an accurate guy. He's going to need a bunch of really good players around him to give you that ceiling that we saw for about two seasons at Andy Dalton. So that's kind of what I see, but if he lands in a good spot, he could distribute well. Um, But like you said, he needs that rushing to be anything that we desire on our fantasy roster. Um, So I am going to move us into the tight ends, Ty. Um, We're at a buck 25 right now in true North, in true, true True North fashion. Don't be, no, hey, that's, that's, that's how we roll around here, Drew. Uh, If you've seen any of our episodes, sometimes we go a smidgen long, but I think that's because we're hitting things very thoroughly in my personal opinion. Uh, (laughs) So um the tight ends there's some intriguing ones this year i don't think we'll spend like a ton of time on them obviously because there's a lot of dart throw um dart throw vibes to this this tight end group but obviously kyle pitts is the main one he's the you know elephant in the tight end room um first off do you like a lot of people are saying he's a locked in top 10 pick in the draft do you think he is going to be going in that range or do you think he could fall a little bit behind
2: I think he's probably a locked in top 10 pick in the NFL draft. If he goes outside the top 10, it's going to be like 11, (laughs) you know, like I I can't see him falling into the back of the uh, first round. I I don't think anyway. I mean, anything can happen obviously, but for sure. I'm ranking him based on him being a top 10 pick. We'll put it that way.
0: For sure.
1: uh, Cowboys at 10 kind of seems like his floor. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, it doesn't seem like he'd get past Dallas yeah, yeah oh, for sure. i can see off.
0: maybe the chargers maybe the chargers at like 12 i think they are
1: see i think San fran would take them so they could just you know run 12 you know 12 personnel all oh day my goodness day, that would be do.
0: insane
2: well, they be already insane. do it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <Grand laughs> quite, 7.7 so pretty much a locked in top yeah. 10
0: yeah
1: and i think the only thing that'll push them down a bit is you know if a mac jones goes to denver carolina or something
0: yeah like yeah that's a good point yeah. that's a good point yeah for sure um So with that, like how hopeful are you for Kyle Pitts to be um, returning on this investment that fantasy gamers are going to have to put into him? Like, do you think he could be pushing top 12 numbers in C let's, you know what, let's bring that threshold to like top eight for the tight end position. Do you think he could see like top eight tight end numbers as a rookie? Mm -hmm. Say if he were to go to like a Dallas or, or even like a San Francisco or the Chargers, or do you think we should still be taking that tight end learning curve into account, even with a Kyle Pitts?
2: I think we have to take the tight end learning curve into account. Perfect. I have Thank a hard you. time with people saying that Kyle Pitts is this like generational prospect, which I understand from like some perspective of it. But like, I swear people were saying OJ Howard was a generational prospect when he was Eric a- Ebron. He was,
0: <laughs> what about Ebron?
2: Like, Like, this isn't the first time we've seen a generational tight end. And they're, like, they're they're, they're not automatic like they are at wide receiver.
0: Exactly.
2: Like, I haven't found a way to, like, pinpoint, yeah, this tight end is going to be a superstar guaranteed. Not that anything is guaranteed in life. Like, Jamar Chase obviously is not guaranteed to be a genuine superstar. I think he will be. Everything points to him being that. Kyle Pitts, nothing. Like, I don't have anything that points to Kyle Pitts being a Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey doesn't look like he should be a Travis Kelsey. Yeah. You know, like, the guys who are the superstars. George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. Darren Waller was a sixth-round pick that didn't do anything for years. He mm-hmm. had all real demons, but, like, the guys that are the superstar tight ends don't look like they should be the superstar tight ends. The guys that look like they should be the superstar wide receivers, they are the superstar wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel, really, like I feel like the earlier
1: a tight end gets drafted, the more a team heaps on them. And it seems like they ruin confidence a lot with these young tight ends when they're thrust. You look at Evan Ingram and Eric Ebron, like these guys fall off quicker than they ascend when you do thrust them in. And I just wanted to bring up Kyle Pitts is going in the 11th round of best ball drafts right now. Almost mm-hmm. every single time, 10th, 11th or 12th round in best ball drafts.
2: So crazy. hmm. Yeah. Like His his rookie ADP, I think, is like in the middle of the first round, or it was, I think, the yeah. last time I looked. I don't know. I'm just pulling it up right now. Uh, number seven in one QB leagues.
1: Yes, wow. see, I don't have much lower than that, though. I'm pretty high on Kyle Pitts in the sense where if he hits, he could be a really big difference. Like, I'm a huge proponent of early tight end, or at least I've been drafting Travis Kelsey for three years straight, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Travis Kelsey, sure, but I, I don't know that we're getting Travis Kelsey. And I, I don't. No, know and I agree. But we might Travis be. We might be.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I just think if he if he hits, it will be a big hit. But I totally agree that we need to have that expectation that that big, huge hit wouldn't be until 2022 or 2023. Yeah. And I think we can set barometers like a 500 yard receiving season by a rookie is very hard to come by. Me and Trav talked extensively about that being. Uh, a, a strong predictor of a breakout season for sophomore tight ends because you know, 500 yards doesn't sound like much, but look up how many rookie tight ends have hit that bar, it ain't many.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so yeah, I think setting 500 yards and three or four touchdowns is a reasonable expectation for Kyle Pitts in year one,
0: for sure. Yeah,
2: like, for me, his I don't have him ranked that high because no, and this is like a break from my norm. Like, normally I rank players based on if I had to keep this player for the rest of their career, this is the guy that I would prefer. And that's not necessarily how I'm doing it with tight end because tight end doesn't really work that way for me because we don't see these huge value gains from rookie tight ends. Like Evan Ingram had one of the best tight end seasons we've ever seen. And he was drafting like the fourth round of startups the next year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't unattainable. Mark Andrews too. Like
1: was going in the third round last year. Like people just anticipate these breakouts and I can't believe people are going to anticipate one from a rookie. Like, you know, I, I don't have time to look it up, but it's so rare for a rookie to even hit 150 fantasy points. I think the only two people, uh, two of the three guys who have done it since the 2000 season, uh, were New York, G- uh, giants and Jeremy Shockey and Evan Ingram. And, uh, it's just, it's so rare. I don't know why, uh, we are so confident in, uh, in Kyle Pitts being that guy.
2: Yeah. Like people keep like confusing what I'm saying and that, Kyle Pitts isn't going to be cheaper next year. I don't think that's no. true at all. It doesn't matter what he does this year. He's right. not going to be cheaper. So you can't go and buy him for less. The The difference for me, and this is why I said I kind of break from my norm here, is on with a wide receiver, if they hit, they're now unattainable. Like, you can't go and trade for a Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Get, try to get a T. Higgins. Like, I haven't been able to get a T. Higgins this entire offseason. He's one of my favorite players. I can't buy T. Higgins. And he didn't even yeah. like smash. He had like, I don't even think he hit a thousand yards. No. So, like, we're talking about that kind of trade ability from the wide receiver position. And we're not going to see that from Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Like, no matter what he does, he's not going to be a top, like, a second round startup pick player. He's just not going to be. And
1: you're, you're right where every year we kind of have this similar conversation. Like it's like, I know Kyle Pitts is definitely, he has the vibe being more talented than these guys, but Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, OJ Howard, these are first round picks that people are like tight ends never go in the first round anymore. This has never happened. These guys are such good talents. David and Joku, like it's crazy how little these guys have all done. Yeah. Like even TJ Hawkinson is going to go in like the fourth round probably this year because of the vacated volume and stuff in Detroit. And, you know, I like TJ Hawkinson, but you're paying for these guys that they're sealing at tight end. Always, always, always.
2: So like my first ever YouTube video is on Noah Fant and how he's going to just completely smash the world this year. Yeah. And Noah Fant, who has done everything you could ask. Like he, he was a too. freak athlete. He was a first round pick. He had 500 yards as a rookie. He was a top eight tight end as a sophomore. Like he has done everything you've asked for him on an age-adjusted basis. He's going like three rounds after Kyle Pitts and startup drafts, like yeah. three rounds after like, that doesn't make sense. This is a guy who's already gone down the path that he's supposed to be to yeah. be the Travis Kelsey. And he's set to do it. And we're taking him three rounds after the guy who's like starting the track now. Mm-hmm. It's, just, like, it's just crazy to me that, that like, Kyle Pitts is getting this much hype.
0: It's like, you're setting yourself back in the tight end yeah. learning curve, essentially like, no offense right at that point where he's ready to hit that. And then you're just going to give yourself three extra years. So and I think that was interesting. What you said about Kyle Pitts never going to be is never going to be cheaper because I think for me, if Kyle Pitts is going to hit in any way in his rookie season, it's going to be on like double digit touchdowns, as opposed to like a thousand yards and 90 receptions, you know what I mean? So, um, and I but think if you people go will 10, get like, yeah,
1: you're not going to sure. land in a team who's going to, Give 10 touchdowns to a rookie. Like, you know, that's that's my yeah. concern with him is that if he does go so high, then it's not an ideal landing spot, that's especially in year one. And you look at someone like Noah Fan, the only thing Noah Fan needs is freaking adequate quarterback play, like relatively mm-hmm. baseline quarterback play. And this guy would have smashed
2: already. Absolutely. And like Noah Fan, I think he was tight in eight in uh points per game. He played a game with the freaking wide receiver playing Kendall Hinton yeah
1: and and just for context guys like this whole conversation should have been uh prefaced by saying tight end fucking sucks John U and Hunter Henry like this is ugly guys like Kyle Pitts is so valuable for me this is what I'm saying here is because I think he's going to be a valuable player in two or three years because I hate tight end so much and he probably does land right in that Hawkinson fan tier whether he's at the top right. or back of it I don't know yet but he's definitely going to probably be in that tier. And then I look back, it's just so ugly beyond those guys. And uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it.
0: <laughs> for sure. So Drew, um, just for the sake of time, I'm not going to, you know, dive into any more names, but do you have another tight end name that you personally are looking at? We don't have to go too deep, but uh, somebody to keep an eye out for, for maybe those tight end premium teams who want to stack somebody on their taxi squad.
2: Oh, Brevin Jordan is the guy that I want. He yeah. like he is discount Kyle Pitts to me. If I if I had to pick a player at value, I would easily take Brevin Jordan at where he's being drafted versus Kyle Pitts where he's being drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're like metrics are remarkably similar from a uh, market share perspective. Uh, Kyle Pitts is – I think he's quite a bit bigger though. But like yeah. Kyle Pitts is definitely ahead of him for me. Like He's, he's, he's quite tall. a bit ahead. But uh, at, at value, like, it's it's Brevin Jordan, and it isn't close. Because I Brevin Jordan looks like he's going to be a, a surefire hit at the tight end position as well. Not that so, yeah. and I use top 12 as the hit rate or the hit threshold, which is, you know, like a lot of guys hit top 12, but really not that many guys hit top 12. It's kind of funny.
0: <laughs> for sure. And, like, I mean, in that context, too, you got a 12-person league. That's one of the best starters you could choose, essentially, for yeah. tight end. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely like that. And Brevin Jordan's looking really good. Um he is actually, like you said, he's three inches shorter than Kyle Pitts, but he's got six pounds on him. So, um, and he had a really big 2019 season, if I recall as well. So, I like, like that call. Yeah, on.
2: at like 19 years old, too. exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly.
0: That was crazy. At the yeah. U.
2: So, like Brevin Jordan's startup ADP is 156. <laughs> Kyle
0: really?
2: Pitts is 56. He's going 100 picks after Kyle Pitts in startup drafts right now. That's wow. Funny. So wow. yeah, like I add value, give me Brevin Jordan one yeah, thousand. Especially, especially
0: with uh tight end that you could get on top of brevin Jordan, not like the hundred and tenth pick, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> totally.
1: I like uh Pat Fryermouth too, just because of the size. Mm-hmm. Like he he's a bigger boy and he kind of fits the prototype more. I definitely am one hundred percent a Brevin Jordan over Fryermouth guy just because of the fantasy upside and the, the profile, but I definitely think uh like Firemouth could actually be the guy who's on the field all the time. It's like an inline tight end. And
2: right. Stuff like that. Yeah, right. He, he doesn't score that well for me in my grading. He's going to be a long shot, which I was kind of surprised by. I thought he'd be, I thought he'd be higher. I'm following on him too, actually. Like the more I get
1: into him, the less I'm excited for him. Like I had him and Brevin Jordan in a tier and I was like, Oh, whatever profile I kind of want uh, that suits my roster construction on that specific dynasty team I'll take. But now I definitely, I've moved them. Like I, I kept, uh, Brevin Jordan where he is and just move Patty, Patty way down. Sorry am say Patty.
2: I'm like embarrassed by this, but I, not embarrassed, but like I've had Pat Fry- Fryermuth ahead of Brevin Jordan in my Debbie rankings the whole year. And then we get to draft season. I'm like, what was I thinking? That, like, <laughs> that, that, was, that was silly. Like it was obviously Brevin Jordan. I have made a, a grave error and I apologize to <laughs> all the patrons. I'm sorry. I missed, I messed up this one but well, we got it right before the rookie draft at least. So
1: yeah, that's what I was saying about TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant until tonight. Now I'm back. Fant never apologizing again, Trav. Okay.
0: Okay. Team this Fant. is, this Team is, Fant. this is on record. Like we, we can go to the YouTube channel and replay. Ah, this, I, love so. I
1: love them both. <laughs> I love them
0: both. I have Hawkinson. <laughs> Me right too. Now. I like them both a lot. No, actually, I, I
1: really them. do just love both those. I think they're huge targets now that we've like kind of talked about these tight ends here. Like get those sure. guys in your startups.
2: It's sure. funny. I do like little comments in the rankings like when I do my uh, dynasty rankings and the uh, the one that I always put for Noah Fant is he has zero non-elite data points because everything that you look at with Noah Fant as a prospect was elite and then his rookie year was elite and then his sophomore year was wasn't elite but it was right where you expect it to be for a superstar so like he has zero non-elite data points and then the uh, TJ Hawkinson one is like he'll be challenging for tight end one overall for the next decade hashtag mm-hmm. uh Hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: so it's like yeah. a running joke, and then, and then the Dalton Keen one is like, "Buy the vote." Like you need the vote. Worst,
0: <laughs> worst of all time.
2: <laughs>
0: I might go throw out some offers right now. Actually, that sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> all right, Drew. Well, that does it for uh, for what we got tonight. I uh, Really, really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. It was really cool to finally get in the lab with you talk some of these rookies um i know that uh you're going to continue to be putting out great content for bulletproof fantasy football so why don't you just take a second and talk about what you're doing over there what's going on on the Patreon, and, and where the folks can find you
2: sure yeah so we're on patreon patreon.com uh backslash bulletproof ff um basically that's where i do everything now <laughs> so my rankings are there i do dynasty rankings debbie rankings uh, cornerstone rankings and then for the rookie rankings we have Superflex, one QB, uh, two tight end rankings, like basically everything that you need. Uh, and then you know we just started the podcast. And episode six went up today, so it's it's a long running podcast. We are six weeks in, uh, and it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then we go, and then the podcast gets chopped up, and the podcast to do three segments on three different players. We chop it up into the three segments and post those into individual YouTube videos with some mm-hmm. some graphics that help explain what I'm talking about. Because sometimes when you're talking about numbers, it gets a little bit yeah. uh, hard to follow. So the YouTube's a little bit easier to follow. Uh, YouTube, I think it's Bulletproof FF or Bulletproof Fantasy Football as well. I should probably know these things. I'm sorry. You can and then, type uh, it uh, in at, Bulletproof uh, you know, Fantasy Football. It'll come up in yeah. YouTube.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. how I said. Yeah.
2: yeah that's I, I got a rookie guide coming out in April is the plan. So Very that, good fun i think uh, it's gonna have some game theory along with just the prospect profiles going through the bulletproof process on each position on each player so it should be should be good
0: so you are a busy man is what you are and that's uh that's good to hear because we like soaking it up drew so uh once again thanks for coming on fellow canadian that's a that's a good canadian kid keeping his stick on the ice say eh?
1: uh <laughs> um ty you got any parting shots for uh for drew or the people no, I'm just looking at Kenneth Gainwell will weigh blank tomorrow. So uh awaiting right, his way in tomorrow. tomorrow. So let's oh, say it tomorrow? Um, yeah, if I say one ninety-five, you guys taking the over or under on Kenneth Gainwell's way in. I'll take the I'm under. taking
0: the over. I'm gonna take the over. I think he's probably been putting the cheeseburgers back just to try and get up there.
2: I think I gotta take the over. I mean, he's had a whole year off to gain weight. Like he's he should be doing nothing but eating like protein bars. That's
1: right. He had the whole that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's all I got
0: (laughs) right on fellas. Well, uh, just uh, another quick shout out to Viridian global for all of our merch monkey knife fight for being the best DFS platform on the planet, as well as trophy smack, where if you want to go order a trophy, use the promo code TNFF, get a little discount on that trophy as well. But uh, until next week, we will uh, see you all then, and super excited for more free agency. So keep an eye out on all the Twitter accounts at True North FFB, and you can find all the all the team from there. So take care, everybody. Have a good night. Peace.
1: Thanks, Drew.